go and get ready now. We'll be doing it at the end of my sermon. All right, for those of you who are here, I, I think those who want to participate has already received the pre-packed uh, elements. Uh, we can't distribute it freely as per previous times, but I hope all of you who need it has gotten it. If not, maybe you can give a sign and we will try to get it to you. But those of you at home, so I, I encourage you to go and get it, retrieve it, and have it ready before the end of my sermon. So last week, some of us were here uh, for a new birth. Uh, for, there was various, various new births, but this was a new spiritual birth. New spiritual birth. And uh, Ian was baptized right here. And uh, if we had it this week, man, we'd be all soaked, yeah? But so last week, the weather was perfect. Um, there was sunshine. We have the baptism. And then it rained after we finished. It rained after we finished. So praise God for that. Uh, so those of you who did, were, were not here, maybe that's a, here's a short little video for you to, to see the baptism um, as we go into the video. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for our Ian's decision. Commit himself to the child of yours. He knows that you've extended your love to him for everlasting. And now today he's choosing to respond to your love. He's choosing to live openly as a witness of your grace and your love, to be your disciple, to be your child, to follow in your footsteps. And so, as an ordained minister of the gospel, and my power vested in me by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, I give my baptize to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, yeah, there you go. We dunked him, but we're not going to dump him. Alright, last time when we were young, you know, it happens, you know, you get dunked and then they just dump you. It's like, alright, survive, it's okay, live life. No, as a church, we are committed to supporting every new person who's joined the family. Right, that involves all of us, all of us to look out for those who are newly baptized, who have newly joined. And for some of you who have yet to decide to be baptized and you want to get prepared for that, please let me know and we'll help you prepare for baptism. So I, I told you last week that as we move into this year, I'm going to share with you uh, some of the thoughts I had. Like I've spent the past uh, six months really thinking through, right, what is church and, and how are we going to evolve and change as a community? Because these things that hit us is not going to be, I think, once off. I think it's going to be various challenges to the church. If we stick to the old ways of doing things, um, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So what does it mean to be the church? You know, there's actually four P's that all of us are in some way connected to when we come to church. When we choose to continue coming to a church, there's four P's that we've, we've, we've committed ourselves to. The first P is the place. As much as we say that church is not the building, but the building gave us memories. Gave us memories. I didn't grow up in ASDAQ. I grew up in too many churches. But one of the churches I spent the most number of years in was the church my dad pastored. Every time I go back in Thompson Chinese Church, I can remember where I used to run and hide from the elder. During worship service, I would be the one that would sneak out from the back, and I will run and I will hide. But man, the elder always know where to find me. I know the exact spot that I hide, and I can still hear his voice. And he says, James, then you know your heart just stops. It's like, how does he know I'm here? And then you know next thing you're in trouble, right? So I get dragged back, and then Pastor's son, oh man, big trouble. Right? I can still remember the potluck I had, 
the, the seat that I always sit in and, and the people I used to play with. There's one scene that actually Sam may not remember. I remember him and David standing at the front of the church at the railing, and we were there and we were playing with them. I still remember that scene. I don't know what happened, but I just remember two of them standing at the, the railings, and I was on the slope down the car park. I was there, and we were having this interaction. I don't know why, though. But I just had that scene in my memory from, don't know, maybe that was a bad memory. I don't know. <laughs> but the place connects us to the church. And some of you remember the cradle roll class. I know some of the youth and the young adults, when they see some of the things that we dig up from, like, clearing up the place, they're like, oh, that used to be the, the cradle roll or the junior class roster. And even the Michelle, do you know your radio, that, that thing is still here and it's still working? Like, they used to play, like, I think the cradle roll music or the junior class music for the, for the class is still in my office and it's still working. So the place connects us to church. So as much as we say it's not the building, the building brings something to us. The second is pre- the preacher, the pastor. Right? Some of you have uh, come to church like for Ian forever. He cannot wipe me out of his life because I'm the pastor who baptized him. But And I saw the photo of his dedication. Uh, Dr. Punchek Yad was someone who dedicated him. So the preacher connects you to the church in one way or another. Like there's, there's this thing that you'll forever be connected to. Then there's some of you who are connected to the program of the church. And you've gone through a lot of withdrawal syndrome this year because you cannot come to church at the time you always come to church. You cannot go to the place that you always go and interact with the people you always interact. I remember some of you, when you come in, you have three stops. The first stop is at the glass door. And then you will check with the people who are there, have a little chat, look at the, the bulletin. You know, we don't even have the bulletin now anymore. Remember, we used to have the bulletin. No, you look at the bulletin, you look at who's preaching that day, and then you have a second pit stop, which is the, 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 the bathrooms. All of you go to the bathrooms, and, uh, don't know, uh, and before you move into the various classes, there's one class in here, there's one class in the cafeteria. The program was what connected you to church. And then, of course, in ASDEC, we look forward to the worship service, and then we look forward very much to the potluck afterwards. Then for those of you who stay back, the special programs that happens right after potluck, we forever eating. Right? Um, but there's always things that connect you. And the, the plays, the preacher, the programs. But most of you are connected to church by the fourth P, the people. Some of you have known each other and only know each other because of the church setting. And some of you have known each other longer than I have been alive because of church. So if you grew up together, running around backyards like me, running away from the elders together, all the deacons together. And then now you're sitting by each other and then you're leading worship together. The people connects you to church. But then this pandemic, this COVID has shown us all these things can be taken away from us immediately, suddenly. So how must we move forward? How must we move forward? So what in phase three? We're in phase three, all right? And then there are people who suggested phase three. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, I don't know. There may be, but it's all going to be a part of phase three. What's going to be the same? What's going to be different? It's going to depend on a lot of things. So for church, let's be prepared. Let's go into 2021 thinking through things and be prepared for how things are going to change. All right, so church. Let me talk a little bit about as next church service, we are not going to be able to house all 160 of us ever again until all of us get vaccinated. 
right? We used to squeeze, man. I think Raymond and I would think of like, we got plastic chairs that we have to line up the front in case we got more people. I think the maximum, maximum we've tried is 179. That's what, how many we have squeezed into this auditorium, but that's not going to happen for a long while. We're going to be this. We're going to be about 50 to 60 people for until all of us get vaccinated or until things change. So there's a, uh, and there's a lot of people that has actually become very comfortable with participating in church from their living room. And that's awesome. Like I, I have some people who message me this morning and say, Pastor, I'm not coming. I say, why? It rained. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it started raining yesterday. He said, yeah, that's why. You know, it's 24 degrees. It's really nice. It's really hard. Like some of us have gotten used to waking up, not having to change, taking our breakfast and joining the Sabbath school class, right? Just don't turn on the video and mute yourself and right? And then, and then when 11 o'clock come, you switch over to the Facebook and the whole family could gather and, and you don't have to wear masks. And you can sing out loud passionately from home. So that's going to be a part of the ASDEC presence moving forward. That there may be about more than half of us or half of us who's going to continue worshiping from that context. If every week is going to be like today where it's full, we may have to rotate and, and different people come at one point or another. We have to look at that. But understand that your homes are going to be a part of SDX Church. Your living room or wherever you gather is going to be a part of the SDX Church infrastructure virtually. And so you don't have to just worship by yourself right now. The, the, the government has allowed you to invite eight others to join you. So invite people. Don't just worship within your own family nucleus. Invite people to come worship with you. Invite your neighbors. Invite your friends. Invite your colleagues. Invite people who you feel like, man, if I invite them to church, they'll be really stressed. Invite them to your home. It's already happened. In fact, I know Hank is uh, watching, and Hank's did that, done that. He's invited, he invited his colleague to his house for Sabbath school and for church. And then they could have a meal together because you can't have it in church right now, but you could do it at home. So people are doing that. People are doing that and expanding ASDAC to just being from 798 Thompson Road to be in Singapore. Everywhere ASDAC could be present. So as we move forward, there are still some things that, that we are unsure of. As we move forward, there are still things that we are considering, we're thinking, we're trying, we need to be able to adapt as it happens. But a question we need to ask ourselves as a church is what we need to change. What to change? What are the fundamental things that we need to change? We don't just want to modify little things here and there to sustain in a way in hoping to go back to what was church. Maybe God is throwing us into this pandemic to change the church the way the church functions. So let's think what to change. But more important before we go there is what we need to keep. It's like moving house. Now when I move, I've moved by now about 14 times in my life. About 14 times. I hate moving. Hate moving. It's not so much the packing. It's the unpacking. You know, first of all, when you move, like I always, uh, I live overseas by myself, and at times I only rented one room. And you look at the room, you're like, yeah, I don't have a lot of stuff until you have to move. 
So one time I was moving from Australia back to Singapore before moving to the U.S. for 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 studies. So I, I thought, yeah, I I I already downsized from my previous apartment to a room for two months because the 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 the, the lease was up and I need to have some place before I fly off. So I I already downsized everything. I moved into a, a room for two months and I like, yep, that's it. I shouldn't need a lot of boxes. I I called the moving company. Can I have like four? Like, these are, these are not small boxes. These boxes are this big, right? So they're this wide and about this tall. Four of them, that's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of stuff for one room. I caught them again. Can I have four more? Eight boxes. Eight for one room. Then I came back, and I in my house, my mom's like, why do you still have so much stuff? In fact, the, 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 I realized that uh, later on, I, I, I left for the States for my studies, and I came back, and some of those boxes, out of the eight boxes, there were three that I never opened, even till today. See, that's the problem. I never asked myself, what should I keep? What should I throw? I just packed. So it's important to look at your things and go, what should I keep? What should I keep? Because some of the things are important. And there's always a discussion between a lot of husbands and wives. So I met up with my secondary school friend uh, two, a lot, two weeks ago, for lunch, and then we were talking about what things wives like to throw away and what things husbands like to keep. And so one of the key things that both of us had an experience of was our, we had a football team, right? We had a football team, and we, we used to play every Sunday for years and years before I left um, for, for Australia, and we all had one, so before I, I left for the army, right? I said, I can't, I can't participate anymore. And so we had a jersey, and I had my number, number 13, and everybody on the team signed it. Right? And, 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 and then it was given to me. It's like, bro, see you again. Right? Like that, that, mm, that moment. And like, yes, guys, I will see you again. Kept it. And then my wife's like, hey, you want to throw that, that jersey out? Bro, like, what? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> like, you know? So, different, different values, different values, different things that's important. For her, it's cluttering out the cabinet. You're never going to wear it. It's not meant to be worn. But then, why am I keeping it? I never explained to her. I never told her. Tiffany, I never told you why I want to keep it. I just kept it, you know? Like, so we need to explain and communicate and, and talk about what are the things that as a church we want to keep. And what are the things we're going to throw. But there are certain things that is actually not up to us. There are certain things that the scripture has told us that we are supposed to keep. In fact, the scripture says, do this do this. And one of the things that the church, all of us do every quarter, of, not this year, but previous years for many, many years, this church has been here since 1999. So today we are like 22 years old this year. 22 years old. And the church has been doing that for 21 years, except for, for last year. That's food washing. And food washing is one of the practices that actually a lot of churches no longer do. They no longer do food washing because of logistics. I've talked to my friends from other denominations. They do the logistics or they think it's not as important. But the scripture is clear. When Jesus was celebrating the Last Supper, he, he took off his coat, his garment, and he washed the disciples' feet. And he asked them to do this. Moving forward, why is it important? And I think it brings out two values that Jesus says, you shall not let go. 
there's two things that as you move from house to house, as you evolve as a church, you must not throw away two values that food washing reminds us of. And the number one is the heart of service. So if you are my disciples, if you are my followers, if you want to show the world what the kingdom of God is like, you cannot forget the heart of service. And you know, last week I saw that in action in Esther. You know, last week as, I, as we finished the baptism, I saw Esther dismantling it. And there was no difference on age, no difference on gender, no difference of of race or educational level or career path or how high or low. All of them roll up their sleeves and roll up their, their, their pants and they were like dunking water out. That service. There was no like, oh, that's not my job. Everybody just saw a need and they came together to help. And I think that's the Christian spirit. This is spirit of the master who saw that no one was willing to wash the feet of the disciple. And he did it took off his cloak, he tied a towel around his waist, and he washed the feet of the disciples. The heart of service, no matter how Aztec changed in 2021, it must not be forgotten. It must not be compromised. It must not be packed and thrown away. And the second thing that he tells us from this foot washing is that we must insist and fight to be relationally connected. It is easy to blame COVID, to blame the pandemic, to blame our current situation where we're unable to come together and worship in one place on the Sabbath day for a lack of relationship. But it tells us in this foot-washing gesture that Jesus cherished his disciples so much and he, he viewed them in such a deep connection that he was willing to bend his knees and wash his feet as the, one of the very last acts before he died on the cross. Some of us are uncomfortable with washing somebody else's feet. Like, I don't know, man. It's not something that I do. I don't do that even for my own wife or my mother. But it's not that. It's a sign of how deeply connected relationally we are as a church. That we are, we're willing, we're willing to bend our knees and wash one another's feet as an, as an act, as a gesture of service, as a reflection of our Lord. One thing I appreciated from this COVID is that although we couldn't meet together as in, in, in one place, I actually got to spend time with people in smaller groups. I visited some families which I never got the time to visit or I couldn't because of schedule. But now the great thing is everybody's like kind of working from home. Like, everybody's like, are you home? Of course I'm home. Well, I'm coming. Yeah, I, the pastor knocking on the door. You're like, I know you're in there. Open up. <laughs> I got to visit and spend time. And, and because it's a, it's a smaller group, we get, I get to know people better. And in church, sometimes I get 170 people trying to tell me something at the same time. And I only have one pair of ears. And I just go, whoa, okay, good. I didn't hear anything. You know, but because I got to spend time with different groups in smaller group settings, I got to hear their stories, find out things that I thought I know some of them very well already, but I found new things. I got to know them better. And this is a blessing. So church, let's not give up being relationally connected to one another. 
is something that we must hold on to and make an intentional effort to continue doing. Don't neglect the fact that we as a church are connected by Christ as a family. That's what holds us together. Next, we look at the communion bread. This is actually the, 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 the bread they use for Passover. For Passover, right? It's what they use. They bake. The burnt part is supposed to be like that because they use. It's a bit like um, the bread. And then they put it in the, the ceramic jar and then they, they stick it by the side and then they burn it. Um, bitter herbs and all that stuff. That's the ancestor of our Passover, our communion bread. I think our communion bread tastes really good, but this is what it was. So what does communion, this is actually what Jesus would have eaten in the upper room. Big piece of bread that he would just tear, and then as they take, they tear again, as they take, they tear again, and they dip into the olive oil, and they eat it. That's the origin of communion, all right? It's the fact that we have this tiny piece, I'm so sorry, all right? It's, it's because that's tradition, you know? You know, it's supposed to be, uh, but... Let's not eat in church, but it's, it's too hard. Um, but if you are doing the home setting, like what Jesus did in the upper room, they had a whole piece of bread, and they were, it was a meal. It was a meal. It was a Passover meal. It was a Passover meal. So what does the communion remind us of? What is it trying to tell the church? What is the value? What are the values that Jesus says, do not let go? Do not forget, no matter how you've changed. That's why as a church till today, we still celebrate communion. In fact, there's some churches that I know, they celebrate every time they gather together. And I think that's awesome. Right? But for us, we celebrate it once a quarter. But why do we celebrate? I think that one of the important things of communion, he says, do this in remembrance of me. And until and proclaim the coming of the Lord, Till the day you see me again. It reminds us that as a church, we are to be Christ-centered. That no matter what and how we change, if Christ is taken out of this church, if the focus is on something else, then the church has lost its meaning. If it's on survival church, we have lost the meaning of the church. Because the church from the get-go, the value of that's driving is not survival. It's not just to exist. It's not for the world to know that there's an ASDAQ. But to proclaim Christ and to focus on Him, that's our duty as a church. Even if this ASDAQ ceases to exist, if people know that because ASDAQ existed, that they know Christ, we have done what we're supposed to do. It's not about survival. If survival is the motivating factor that's driving us, they were not a church. We're a business. So the communion reminds us that we are here today because of the broken body of Jesus Christ. He's died to redeem his church, and the church exists to point the world to him. And the communion strongly, strongly pulls a world distracted by the current pandemic the current COVID, by life circumstances, by financial economy, by, by things that's hitting us relationally, by emotional distress to focus just on this world. But the communion reminds us to proclaim the Lord's coming because this world is not where it's going to end. This world is not what life is about. Jesus is coming 
again. And as an Adventist church, that's the main message of the advent of our Christ. That He is coming. You ask me, why are they suffering? Why is there this pandemic? Because this is not heaven. This is not where God wants to exist. This is not how He's designed for the world to function. He reminds us to be eternity focused. That as we live our lives day to day, maybe trying, just trying to make ends meet, He reminds us that this world is not our home. That He is coming very soon again. That is why, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon, at the end of his life, the wisest king in the then known world, as he reflected upon his whole life, as he looked at his riches, as he looked at all the people who come to ask him about life, this is his comment on life itself. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity into man's hearts. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. God has put eternity into man's heart. Not just Christian's heart. Into humanity's heart. Everybody in the world is actually seeking the answer to this eternity, this eternal longing in their hearts. And God says, Jesus is the answer. But maybe we need to be more intentional about reminding people that Jesus is coming again. And that Jesus still lives today. And as a church, as we evolve, as we think about what we're going to change, what we're going to keep, what we're going to struggle through. Let us not leave these four values. Let us hold on to a heart of service. Let us hold on to being relationally connected. Let us hold on to being Christ-centered and definitely, most importantly, eternally, eternity-focused. So we're going to go into a time of communion. So for those of you who are participating, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I ask that you take out your pre-packed communion bread and your cup. And as I turn, if you want to turn me to 1 Corinthians 11, but if you're not able to, it's okay, because you're holding the elements. 1 Corinthians 11. Paul, before as he was among the people, he told his disi- the disciples, his disciples and those his followers, the church, the early church, these are things that, that we must hold on to. The food washing that you can participate in and, and in your homes or wherever you are and the communion. I'd like to read from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this 
in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup and after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever eats this bread or drink this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So let us examine ourselves and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks on judgment on himself. For this is saying that as we eat, we're not judging you. Nobody knows your hearts but God. But let you reflect upon your own life and as you participate in in the bread and the cup, that are you participating in a way that's worthy of the Lord? Not that you're righteous, not that you have not sinned, but have you put your full dependence upon Jesus Christ and His righteousness?